You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands. All right. Vocal fam. Hello. No, Sarah and I were just talking, and I was telling her that we needed to make sure we lined up our audio, because Oof. last week, if you remember, <laughs> Sarah Sarah's audio died at one point. Died. And she unplugged the mic. I mean, like, you know, there are a lot of different ways we can put it. But the funny thing is, she still sent me just one audio file. Yes, yes, I and did. And the funny part about that is that meant that I actually had to go and try to line up the last 45 minutes of the audio. With my audio, actually by splicing it in. And the funny thing was, <laughs> if you listen back to it, it's basically exactly, practically exactly the way it happened, but I could never find to like the second exactly where I wanted it. <laughs> and so I'm certain that the recorded conversation that we shared last week is not quite exact to the millisecond yeah, it's not to the millisecond how our conversation well, happened. Hopefully you will all get over it. Is that is that rude? <laughs> Was there a nicer way to say that? <laughs> I don't think anybody cared the first time. That's probably true. I think they're so over it that nobody cared originally. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds real. That's accurate. That's accurate. Uh, do you know I doubt I doubt it. <laughs> go oh, ahead. I was go just ahead. gonna say, do you know how close we are to Thanksgiving break? Yes, yeah, so let's start off the episode in case this is the episode you're listening to while you're traveling. Vocal oh, fam, yes. we happy turkey day. Happy Thanksgiving. Very thankful for y'all. This is the if we are we are I mean, Sarah, you and I as an entity, could we be more thankful for anything than the Vocal fam? Mm, well, technically, if I'm going to be like totally honest, well, yeah, yeah, but but like in a in a metaphorical not, podcast you know, sense podcast sense it, it's on up there and the things i'm most most <laughs> great most thankful for i want to be honest i don't know i've always had that approach which like let me just say this approach has not always served me well i'm not sure why i stick with it but i have a very much like i want to be super honest with people so that they always know like if i am saying something really nice to them like i really mean it for example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? And I can, even for stupid things like, oh, yes, vocal fry, vocal fam, things that I'm most thankful for. Like, y'all are on up there. I'm not going to say you're the most, the thing I'm most thankful for, but y'all are like top, I would say four. I haven't thought through it because I'm not going to make that list. But I like, I feel like I can I, say y'all are in the top four. That's pretty good, right? I, I totally thought you were going to say top 40. No. No, I'm no, <laughs> like, I'm more thankful like, for y'all than that. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're talking about a base level, I mean, you know, there's you know, Tech? my wife and my family, See? my faith, my dog, you know, my friends. I mean, you know, okay, fine. I mean, I, I was just more referring to us in this weird existential podcast sense. Oh, well then. Sure. <laughs> most definitely <laughs> existential makes me think back to to working on young mans with michael and you're a, tree. you're a tree i'm a tree we're all just trees yep you get a tree get a you tree. get a tree jk you are a tree haha <laughs> oh my yep. existentialism and hearty poetry i sang enough of that this fall yep so that being anyway. said it's almost thanksgiving it's almost thanksgiving break that might be more important. It is. It is. So wh share with us, Vocal Fam, if you think of it, what you're thankful for yeah. this Thanksgiving. Um, what are some other things we're thankful for here at Vocal Fry, Sarah? Um, like outside of, you know, family, friends, and all the things we've already said? Yeah, let's just assume that we, we know, the Vocal Fam knows that we're thankful for our respective spouses. Yeah. Pets. I'm thankful for my, my children. Uh, I think you're thankful for my children. I am. I am very. <laughs> um... 
both of our dogs, yeah. um, our our safe home. Speaking of dogs, you know, I will jobs. A, we're thankful for our jobs. Yes. You know, all these kind of things. I'll put a little pre warning in. At any point, Aria might go ballistic. There is a cat. I don't know if anybody oh owns boy. it. And it has figured out like that if it just comes and basically sits in front of the window, that Aria oh will lose boy. her mind. So this cat has started coming by and just toying with her. And unfortunately, Aria is a dog. And so no matter how many times I tell her now, Aria, if you would just stop reacting, the cat would go away. She does not understand because she is a dog. Oh, boy. That Yeah, that conversation has gotten me nowhere. So Aria may go ballistic. Oh. Oh, wow. Cute. Folks, just because I'm watching Sarah uh, uh, on, on the camera, she did not agitate I the dog not. to make that happen. That happened on cue. The dog is in a different room. <laughs> Probably should have just like closed the blinds or something, but... Eh. That was good, Sarah. That was good. It's Man, like that, that lead, the, the, lead, the lead up, the delivery, the... Uh... Man, missed my calling. Should have been a comedian. JK should not have well been hope hope hopefully the uh Doctor Who lead up is worth it yes we'll talk about I'm that thankful later about we'll that. talk about that I'm, later I'm thankful for muffins I was gonna say that earlier but then I got distracted by the Aria thing but I feel like I have to put that out there I am thankful for muffins my source of daily nourishment yeah. uh I'm thankful for um coffee yes coffee is kind of life sometimes i am thankful really thankful for um I, I don't even know what it's called but it's an app like it's kind of like audible but you can get it through your library so it's free and so hmm. i am thankful for that app and the audiobooks that it allows me to listen to for free because you know i drive about two hours a day to like one hour to work one hour from work and so i spend a lot of time in the car now and I am very thankful for audiobooks because I, you yeah. know, not bored, not sleepy. And like, don't get me wrong, like I do like listening to music, but I feel like at some point, like when your whole day is music, by the time I get in the car, I'm like, mm, nope. I can't listen to music anymore. Not in, in the, general. Not in the a, car well, or anything. I, I, I listen to really, really trashy EDM when I run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I, I listen to music. If so. I'm not listening, if I'm not listening to a podcast, but I if don't I'm not listening to a podcast. I don't listen to it like as I'm driving home from work, which is you know, music. So, oh anyway, yeah, no, I get very that completely. Thankful. I think it's called like Overdrive. I think that's the app name. Hmm. Yeah, if you're if you're not wanting to splurge on Audible, but you know you want to listen to audiobooks, would definitely recommend because most libraries well, offer it. I've never been able to get into audiobooks. I might have to try it. We'll see. I'm a fan. So I can't listen to anything super complex. I, I have to pick kind of lighter fare just because I'm just listening. I'm not reading it. And I don't think I absorb, unless I've already read the book. For example, the Robert Galbraith books I talk about, those are probably too complex just to listen to. But... Since I've already read them, I can listen to them because I know what happens. You know, like I'm not going to miss right, a major right. plot point or something like that. Right. You know, uh, that makes me think of things that I, I am thankful for. I'm thankful for. Uh, I I am thankful for podcasts. Yes. I am thankful for formants and harmonics. Yeah. And oscillating frequencies and vocal tract resonances. Yeah. Okay. I'm thankful for Voce Vista. I'm thankful for Mata. I am very thankful for those. I am thankful that I have a K-Pentax phonatory aerodynamic system. I am jealous of you for having one of those. I mean, yeah, no, I am. I'm thankful for, uh, I would say I'm thankful for having an EGG, but. I think that's a love-hate relationship. I'm not sure. You can yeah. list that as something you're thankful for. That'd be like listing a frenemy as something you're yeah. thankful for. Unless you uh, are. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe some people thrive off of those relationships. Thankful for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep, I was going to say Star Wars. I am thankful, thankful for Star for Wars. The for thankful for the Force. We've got many rumors to cover. Yeah. Thankful for uh, Doctor Who. 
thankful for oh I, this week i'm particularly thankful for the man in the high castle which we have one more episode left to burn through it is the series finale <laughs> we left it for ourselves for tonight Smart. so tonight as a family we'll watch the mandalorian episode three yeah and then and then we'll once the kids go to bed mandy and i will finish uh uh man in the high castle which i have to say now that it is complete, there are some thi- there's some problems with this season. I think, mm-hmm. I I think they lost their way a little bit, and I think part of it is they had trouble getting some of the actors to come back. I hate when that happens. Um, I'd I'd have to go back and look at like rumor mill like reporting about that kind of stuff, but I think that the writing of the Man in the High Castle has been for like as in my wheelhouse as anything i've seen since lost or breaking bad that's awesome um yeah it's it's uh it's been pretty great anyway uh so those are some things the vocal fam is uh, at least the vocal fry people mm. are disney thankful plus. for yes. i know that kind of falls oh, under d- the mandalorian but like right now especially disney since it just launched, like, i am really enjoying it because you know it's got all this great new content that i love it's allowing me kind of nostalgia trips like the aristocats is on there uh i've been re-watching kim possible just because it's kind of you know it's chill like i, I don't yeah. have to think a lot about it uh, you were the right era for oh, that i loved kim possible i still love kim possible and it's it's one of those tv shows that it's kind of nice watching is it watching it as an adult because you don't you didn't words you don't realize as a kid how much is kind of slipped in there for the adult audience watching with their kids oh yeah well i mean phineas and ferb won the crown oh a hundred percent yeah so i've i've enjoyed re-watching that but i mean i don't know i've just really enjoyed disney plus and all its offerings I wish I could say that I've had any time to watch anything on Disney Plus other than the two episodes of The Mandalorian, but because we were trying to binge our way through Man in the High Castle yeah, this week, yeah, I get that. Uh, and that was that that took some precedence. Um, yeah, definitely. So, anyway, but before we get totally lost in our pop culture world, yes, let's. Veer uh, back. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about. My disappointment. Well, I was gonna say, really? I I want to say it. I want to say it in the nicest way possible, and I don't want to give away things that would be inappropriate to give away. But um, just yesterday, I had uh, it warmed the cockles of my heart to hear a group of undergraduates cramming for an exam on vocal tract resonances and glottal configurations and absolute spectral tone color and yeah and all these things tam generalized timbres of vowels and <laughs> anatomy and physiology of the related to the first two vocal tract resonances that i presented in our models in class and these things because they had an exam yesterday. They did. Which, you know, yeah. kind of... I'm sorry. I'm going to go bap her on the nose. Go Continue. I know what you're going to say. I'll be back. Well, anyway, I, I sort of... It, it warmed my heart to just hear them all out in the hallway before the exam. Just sort of, um, you know, talking about it. And then then they took the exam. And, well, well, yeah, I'll just leave it to your imagination, vocal fam. It was, um, you know... All these things, but there is something. There is something from from the exam that I wanted to talk about today, uh, and that is this idea of there. Sarah's back. Sarah, Sarah's coming back. Vocal fam, hold on. One uno momento. Vocal fam, there. Sarah's back. I am back. I pulled the blind down uh, so she can't see the cat. I was just about to go into the idea that I I I, I had shared with you, wanting to talk about earlier. In the week. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I like to do now for the undergrads and the grads is I like to present their working functional knowledge of the first vocal tract, re- first and second vocal tract resonances yeah. related to information based on sort of classical models of passaggi. Okay. And it's interesting, it dawned upon me that p- 
Passaggio is a word we've not used much on this show. That's probably true. I think just because when we do talk about that area of the voice, we're usually discussing it in other terms, be it, you know, just acoustical and whatever. My goodness, she is such a butt. <laughs> well, now she's mad because I pulled the blind down. So she's just over here just... Oh! <laughs> Podcasting dog problems. It's a rough day here. I wish you all could see the look on Sarah's face well, right now. Well, I am over her. I mean, she's over me, it's... too. It's a mutual overness. Oh, it is... Uh, okay, there's some attitude going on in Stop. your house. Hold on, I'm a, I'm a so anyway, at this time. Sarah's got some uh struggles. some uh struggles. But um anyway, vocal fam, so let's think about Pasaji for a second. Because I will admit that for a while I had sort of even stopped talking about them in class, which may seem like heresy to some of you, and that's fine. Um I think we all have, you know, our ways of doing things. Um but Part of the problem, I think, once you present the ideas of uh, a passaggio or passaggi to a singer, once they have it in their head that that part of their voice is a trouble area, like so many other things, they start to obsess about that part of their voice as a trouble area. Yeah. Just like the idea of talking about tongue freedom and all of a sudden, the singer becomes obsessed about tongue tension. And of course, what happens? There's just the more tongue tension. gets more. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, let's just, okay, so let's go back over sort of our classic models of passaggi. And I guess you could relate this information to things where you would read from, from you know, any of Richard Miller's books. Ken talks about them in his books. Don Miller talks about them in his books. There are plenty of books. Barbara Dosher. There are plenty of places you can go to look up information about Passaggio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's just sort of run down a rough shot, quick version of what we're talking about in in the classic models. So female voice. Uh, no, 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 no. Treble. Treble voices. Thank you. Thank you. Treble voices generally referred to a primo passaggio somewhere around the bottom of the staff. Okay. Let's just generically say E4, for lack of a better place to put it, the bottom of the staff. And they had a quote-unquote secondo passaggio right about at the top of the staff. Let's just say E or F or G, again, for lack of a better place to say okay because obviously and any of the books that talked about these kind of models said well it varies a little bit by voice type right yes. and all of our voices are unique all of our vocal tracts are unique so it would make sense that from singer to singer these things would change slightly okay so nobody's and then and then oftentimes when people started talking about trying to use like these passaggi as voice registers, in treble voices, a lot of treble voices would also talk about something that happens in the B, C, D range. <laughs> the blinds are down. I don't know what she's barking at. I'm going to kill her. You. She's barking at you. I'm going to kill um, her. It's going to be a dog. But oftentimes... Today. Oftentimes, treble voices would also talk about something, some kind of phenomenon in the B, C, or maybe D range. Yes. Sort of almost a middle something. Did you, did you, do you ever experience something that you, that you notice as a singer in the middle of the treble staff? I, I'm just curious. I have not, but it, I have noticed it a lot in my students. Sure. So, I mean, and, and that's, I think, an important point that we just brought up, actually, is one of the reasons that these models even came into existence is that either singers noticed them mm -hmm. or voice teachers noticed them, right? I mean, that's why... Right. Okay. Yeah, All right. That's why we're so talking that, about and, it. And, and, and then in treble voices, a lot of treble voices notice something in the higher range above the staff, 
whether it's A to B flat, whether it's B flat to B, whether it's B to C, whether it's C to D. There's, and I know plenty of sopranos who have told me personally that they believe that every single half step above the staff feels different. I mean, you're a treble singer, Sarah. What, yeah, you, no, what are your I experience mean, up there? For me personally, it, that whole that phenomenon starts around B flat, B flat, B natural, and C. I don't really go above C generally. All feel completely different to me. Have very different approaches, and I don't think of them as anywhere near the same so that's my personal experience with those so i get it but yeah i know different people sure. have different experiences well right and i mean eventually obviously so backtrack yeah. so that that's treble voices let's 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 deal with uh tbb voices here for a second i'm using treble and tbb Basically, one to avoid gender, binary gender, yeah. and two, and two because that's the model now we've gone to on our Nats adjudication forms, treble cool. and TBB or categories, I should say. So in the TBB categories, oftentimes you heard talk of a primo passaggio, and I'm just going to use baritone passaggi because again these shifted slightly per voice type mm -hmm. but let's just say baritone primo passaggio roughly a b flat or a b natural and secondo passaggio roughly an e flat or an e natural they all sort of happened about a fourth or a fifth apart maybe a tritone and tenors were slightly higher maybe c sharp f sharp basses were slightly lower maybe a d but mm -hmm. basically, somewhere in the ABC pitch range was quote unquote primo passaggio, and I'm talking middle C, C4, yes. B3, A3, and then, um, and then somewhere in the DEF, maybe even as high as G for tenors or A flat for the secondo passaggio area. Um, and so, it, it, but they were all about a fourth or a fifth apart. It, it, you know, again, obviously these things vary a little bit no matter what. And again, we came to these things because people experienced things at these pitches, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not like we can say to a singer ever, even once science tries to come around and science splain mm -hmm. what's going on did to singers, Did you just try right? to modify mansplain to science splain? totally did science yeah. i totally might just have coined a term and we totally might keep it yeah i mean it's a legit thing though science splain maybe just science splain i don't know it's not a good way to say it. science splain science splain just has too many syllables science well but if science science explain is ridiculous yeah, you're right science no science sounds like psychology like P S Y Sysplain. 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 I don't know. This might be something we we ponder for a while, but don't worry. You're gonna hear this word again now. <laughs> it has made its <laughs> debut. It's a thing. Okay. So long story short, or long story longer. Yes. I like to present this in class as because here's the thing. I've gone back to teaching this material not uh, by itself, but in the context of what we talk about, particularly with the first and second vocal tract resonance, and in the context of looking at mode one and mode two and glottal configurations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I've just used a whole bunch of words, and I want to just cite some what things science? off the top. Okay. So let me cite some things off the top. Uh, citations of things. When I'm referring to mode one and two, I'm referring to the team in France, including Natalie either Heinrich or Enrich, however she says her name, and Rub Rubot, I believe, is the other person's name, um, and their work on 
mode one, mode two, maybe mode three, maybe mode zero. Anyway, modes of registration. Um, when I refer to anything with glottal configurations, I'm of course referring to Herbstsvec. When I refer to vocal tract resonances, so much of my understanding of uh, acoustic registration has come from either the writings of Don Miller or Ken Bozeman. So I just want to just credit a whole ton of people out there and ken and don ken would credit other people with his own understanding people like don or people like ingo Tietze, johann sundberg etc 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 so i just wanted to give that whole word salad of names just to say that perna didn't come to any of this information on his own did i make that clear enough essentially yes Okay. There were a lot of words to say these these are not your ideas you are not claiming that this is you know you're, right. you're not putting forth these as your ideas. Right. All I'm saying is how I am attempting to curate the information for my class. Yes. How, how yes. you synthesize and then redistribute it in a more maybe palatable form. How I repackage yes. it. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, all right. Just so we're all on the same team, Vocal Fam. Because we want to know, we want you to know that we believe in citation. Correct. We're, we're fans okay. of not stealing other people's ideas. It's, it's probably a good yeah. thing. Yeah, great. Okay. So I gave you that whole background of, of Passaggi. And again, you can read more about that in Richard Miller. You can read more about that in, even in Ken's book. You can read more about that. Dosher, whoever. Bill Bernard, Coffin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but so I like to introduce them to those things because as a singer... The singer in them goes, oh, yeah, I experienced something there. Mm -hmm. Like, I have trouble with my off owl. Like, we have a bass baritone in class. And he's like, yeah, on an off, I try to go above a D. It gets real difficult. Right. Yeah. Yes. Secondo passaggio. That, okay, that right. is what science like, and history would say. So I like, so I like presenting that stuff to them along with, I don't start there, but I like bringing it in about class two so that they have the buy-in of going okay yeah i struggle with those yeah, this, this is and legit. then and then of course the whole time i leave my chart of <laughs> which is not just the first vocal tract resonance there's more information coded in there but essentially that's the first vocal tract resonance popping out into your ear all i'm doing is thumping my throat um with my finger you got to have a closed glottis to do it you can um, hear it surprisingly well I, I wasn't well i'm trying to get it i'm trying to get it on the mic I, was gonna I'm say, like, I wasn't sure how well it would be picked up by the mic but i'm hearing you very clearly so anyway i'm also trying to raise my larynx so it raises the frequency a little bit just so it brought it out even more gave it a brighter color anyway um so but basically e-a-a-o-u and i like to I, I will say i do like from a easy to memorize cheap and dirty trick mm -hmm. i like mccoy's model of thinking of the first vocal tract resonance as just that c major chord first inversion open position yeah. so e c g c e e4 for e c5 for a g5 5 for a c5 for o e4 for u so yeah, that was better. Right. So there was E and O, A and O, and ah. They all, E and O share a first vocal tract resonance. A and O share a first vocal tract resonance. Uh, and, and then ah, of course, has a higher one. Anyway, I have that on the board the whole time. And, and, and I've already explained to them that, that those are averages based on speech. They're not based on singing. And they're averages. They're not exactly your vocal tract mm -hmm. resonances. They're just averages, but it gives you a good starting place. Mm -hmm. And I always keep that chart on the board the whole time. I also keep F2 and it's descending on the board the whole time. I hope that came into the mic. It did. Yes. Or at least that's, I'm again, hearing it. That's not perfectly the second vocal tract resonance, but... And this is all based on a source filter model, which for me is still what I teach in class. I understand there are other models out there. I understand that we may 
there's the possibility that source filter theory could just be totally debunked and gone in a decade. But at the moment, for now. this is this is where I'm. This is what I'm still choosing to teach. And now, h- half the people listening are going, "I don't, yeah, source filter theory can't leave." Um, well, you're not just teaching source filter theory. It's like you said, you're you're teaching some more historical um, methodologies of it, or. Is that the word I'm thinking and, of? Model? And I'm giving them and I'm giving them the truth that there's there's a future out there. Yes. Well, and I mean again, these are people taking an undergraduate like one semester course. These are right. not grad students that, you know, you then do go on and say, Hey, here's some more cutting edge things that maybe will become the standard, or maybe we'll just, you know, get tossed to the side. Right. So uh anyway. So I have this chart of ECGCE on the board the whole time. Yeah. And so I asked them in class, it just so happened that there was a lack of attendance the day I did this in class. What? Shocking. Um, but I asked them in class, you know, like just visually speaking, mm-hmm. can you relate anything visually E-C-G-C-E to my charts of Passaggio. Passaggi. Well, it becomes pretty evident that the first vocal tract resonance of E and U corresponds with, for some reason, female primo Passaggio. Well, we know that, but, but did they? Yes, oh, good, they were good, able good. to make that connection. I was and really they, worried but, well, where it was going. Well, they immediately made the connection, actually, of that to male secondo passaggio. Well, and that's what they are more concerned with as a male mm. class. Right. Yeah, sorry. We And we did it again. TBB. Yeah. Although they literally all identify as male, are male. So. Yes, also also true. Uh, anyway, uh, but so... Um. All that being said, yes. uh, that became pretty evident, and, and just from a visual standpoint. Yeah. Um. But but then you know introducing the idea of of getting them to think about displacing the octave for TBB voices, mm-hmm. of displacing the octave and viewing any second harmonic interactions. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, or displacing the octave in a fifth and looking at third harmonic crossings. Yeah, yeah, because that's definitely a major thing for them. Oh, for for clearly. Yeah. Um, and and so it just, and and that's Ken's terms like H three F one crossings, micro turnings as he calls them, mm-hmm. and that's that that's Ken's deal. It's not that's not mine. Um, he he would refer to the main turn of the male voice happening an octave below where the first vocal tract resonance is, and that, that would be the major pitch of turning for every single vowel. I'm sure if if any of you are familiar with Ken's book, that's very clear in practical vocal acoustics. It's 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 really sort of the fundamental aspect presented practically. And if you want uh, to be more familiar with it, you can buy get his practical book. Practical vocal acoustics. We would recommend. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I just, my point is you can relate so many of the voice phenomenons of classic views of passaggi with the acoustic phenomenon uh, of of the vocal tract resonance. Well, and it's a great way to get buy-in with your class since it is something that they experience. Right. Now, the compounding factor is that about at TBB secondo passaggio and treble primo passaggio yeah. is also the point roughly of pitch where many people change from, I if you're using the Heinrich model from mode one to mode two, mm-hmm. um, or if you're sort of buying into you know, maybe a Herbst Sveck model where, and they use the word falsetto still, where it's more going from chest to falsetto. Like there's something that is happening in certain, in terms of sort of laryngeal glottal configuration somewhere on the bottom half of the treble staff. Um, and now I will say whether that is just 
the shape of the glottis, whether that is the glottis's shape affecting the airflow that is then trans that is then happening after glottal closure, I don't know. I, I I'm not prepared to say one way or the other. There are a bunch of possibilities, I think, but but let's just well, for it's now also say that it's you know not just one thing. Are you saying that voicing could be complex? I would never dare. JK, I am. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, anyway. well, l- look, vocal fam, we're not trying to solve your problems. No, we're trying to <laughs> make them more complicated. No, we're trying to make you but think. No, no, just trying to make you think. And, and we've never really talked about passaggi on the show. I That's will true. say... Let me just, from a TBB perspective for a second, I think the most groundbreaking thing that Ken ever did for the profession that made me, as a singer, have buy into his work was the realization that I essentially stopped thinking about Passaggi at all when I realized that vowels turned over an octave below their first vocal tract resonance. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped thinking about my passaggio as this thing where there was a fourth and I had to do a thing and whatever and whatever and started dealing with it actually just vowel by vowel, which seems more complex, but it was actually easier because it was all the same move, just vowel by vowel at different pitches. Um, And I'll just say, as a teacher... I've had great success at essentially just having my tenors, baritones, and basses maintain vocal tract shape in an effort to keep the resonances where they are and allow the voice to turn over passively um, uh, with passive vowel migrations. That's also Ken's word. I've had much more success with that than I ever did with concepts about passaggio and covering and this and the other thing and whatever and whatever. Um, so anyway, it's kind a, a, of similar a, with girls. Actually, I I have please please. Tell I was gonna say, say I I've had a lot of success with my students I've worked with who again like I'm working with younger students. They're all relatively new to voice lessons, singing. They're also just young. They're yeah. They're not. They haven't spent years with their voice and thinking about their voice. I have had a lot more success asking them to do things with vowels than asking them to, you know, oh, we'll sing this in head voice or do this exercise in head voice. Like, I just have them, oh, well, you know what? Instead of singing this on an A, sing it on an E or think E. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're singing, you know, in head voice because this is B4 and E at that point is your... um whoop timbre if you want to use that i guess depending what sure yeah yeah yeah. so it's funny i hadn't thought about that but recently that's something i had kind of moved towards a lot more is just rather than trying to ask my students to do things i don't know to to from a hmm, what's the word i'm looking for i don't know the way i would think of things necessarily i i'm making it much more vowel based well, and you know, you bring up an interesting point about having them do that too, is you s- sort of presenting the idea of uh, of getting the vocal tract in the right shape in order essentially to get the right laryngeal registration. Did that happen because of the nonlinearity? It, it's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just anyway, been interesting. I, and I try not to go like too far. Like, I mean, I still want the words to sound like words. It's just a lot of time with people that don't have as much coordination. And you know how it is. They have three weeks to get ready for a Christmas recital. And so I try to then relay it back to like, oh, okay. So like when you have that sort of feedback, this is something you're going to want to think about. Like whenever you sing something in this range, you're going to want to try to recreate the sensation, blah, blah, blah. But anyway. All that being said, passage. It's it's also hard because a lot of music. This is what I've noticed. A lot of music for young singers is put in, oh in a terrible in place. a horrible place. It all sits terrible. from like C four to E five, nicely sandwiched between as we've been discussing primo and secondo passaggio, and it's just it's hard. 
it's it's yes. hard. It'd be hard for me to sing it. I wouldn't want to sing it in these keys, but because they're young, these are one just what it's offered in, and two that yes. a lot of times is the range that they are really most comfortable in. Yes. So. Anyway, well, and think about it this way with what we were just saying, sort of what I was saying and what you were saying, essentially just like, hey, how about we just, you know, sing a better vowel shape yeah. and kept the teaching as simple as that. Yeah. If you instead go about it from the perspective of talking about chest voice and head voice or talking about it about passaggio or talking about cover or talking about, you know, whatever, think of all the additional words that yeah. a young person who doesn't already know singing doesn't understand. Well, that's the thing. I mean, most of these kids are just trying to literally memorize the words of the song. And yeah. that's all I can ask of them. So honestly, it's already asking a lot to ask them, oh, hey, when you sing this word, could you do this vowel instead? Yeah. To ask them to do much more than that um, is is just... Yeah, it it gets a little yeah. complicated. It, they're certainly even if they can do it in a lesson, when they get up on stage and start freaking out about singing in front of people, they're definitely not gonna remember it. At least, yeah, with the students I have worked with, maybe someone out there knows better techniques than I do because you know, still new, still just you know, learning. Still One of learning. the things you're gonna find out though, Sarah, is even. 20 years from now you're gonna go still new, still new still learning still new you know changing how i do things every day um you know uh speaking of new new information so this week the uh nats national program came out yeah. and uh we we learned that our dear friend dr cleveland from vanderbilt is actually one of the plenary sessions on the very first day of the conference, on the opening ceremony sort of day of the conference. And he and his colleagues from Vanderbilt are giving a talk on what, Sarah? I mean, you know, maybe this little thing called laryngeal manipulation. Don't know if y'all have heard about massage. it. Massage. They're using they're using the word massage. Oh, massage. Well, I don't I don't know. Maybe we've we've probably never even mentioned it. Uh so that's uh I at first I was kind of like, oh well, then why are we even bothering yeah. presenting our thing? But then I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, first of all, I, I've reached out to Doctor Cleveland. He has not written me back yet. I mean, he, you know, obviously we had spent time time at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. um, you know, while we were setting this up. Uh, I'm sure he'll get back to me at some point. But uh, at first I was sort of a little like deflated, like, oh well, like why are we even presenting? But then I was like, no, 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 no. No, I think there's a good point because what they're going to talk about is the therapist interventions that they've done. Yes, it's two totally different perspectives on it. And what we're talking about is this from a singer doing this on themselves. Yeah. And what efficacy we've seen out of that. Well, it's also nice because I think it's just additional validation on the topic if there's more than Absolutely. just us researching it. Absolutely. No, it's really cool, actually. So, I yay! Think I was like, I was like really, it's really cool. So we're excited about that. Um, and, and hopefully we can sort of get a sense from Dr. Cleveland about exactly what they're going to talk about in their talk. And then we can sort of and you know frame our stuff and hopefully maybe we can get them to be like hey you guys should all go hear uh these other folks At tomorrow 7 30 in the morning yeah we are one of the early sessions Woo-hoo! vocal fam so uh I'm just so excited <laughs> be a- it'll be an early morning sarah will have a muffin i will have a muffin maybe i don't know I'll sarah be- may- maybe sarah maybe you should buy the room muffins that's not gonna happen I'll be in a hotel. Maybe I'll have a waffle. I love hotel waffles. Maybe we should order muffins for our room <laughs> to attract people to come to Vocal Fry's session. What if instead of for the room, if we did the the if we do the booth, if we just have muffins at our booth? Oh, now that's an idea. And then I will eat the muffins in our booth, and I will never be hungry. It will be great. That's an idea. It will be chocolate chip. It's an idea. Planning this out already. I'm very excited um, now. Anyway, so that that's exciting news. Uh, so, uh, what else were we going to talk about this week? Uh, the <laughs> so Mandalorian. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, folks, Baby Yoda has obviously Wait, taken spoilers! over the internet. You've had a week. 
You've had a week. Uh, you've had a week, you've folks. Had a week I'm sorry. To watch the most recent episode. We're going to talk about it. Um, also, yeah. baby Yoda memes are everywhere. Yeah, they are. Well, and also that's not one week old. That's two weeks old at this point, you know. But. Right. Okay. So spoiler warning. We're going into our Mandalorian Cafe section of Vocal Fry. Yeah. Week two. Yeah. Yay. Um, Sarah, what did you think of the second episode? I really enjoyed it too. I mean, it's just so different. The whole series is so different from what I had anticipated, but I'm really enjoying everything so far. Just really good story development. Um, obviously, Baby Yoda is like kicking butt, taking names. So that's pretty cool. So let's just deal with that because that's obviously the biggest thing that happened in this episode. Um, I think it was very... So at first, when we watched the episode, I said to Empress Vocal Fry, I said, was that the right choice? Like having him already be that force powerful in the second episode? Maybe. It just depends what they're going to do. Well, I think it also demonstrated the limits, though, because think how much it took out of him. Yes. Well, and it's something like he obviously, it's not even like, He's just discovering it because multiple times earlier in the episode, we see him trying to, I guess, heal the Mandalorian. It, that's the that's the theory. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, this isn't a new ability to him. It's not like all of a sudden he just discovered that he was this powerful. Like, it appears that he's done similar things before. Um, maybe the maybe. Um, I, I, I came to the conclusion that I actually felt like it was a very bold move. It was. To set up the character that definitively that early. I agree. Um, I think it was in a way like a new kind of storytelling, like almost like because in these things it's like we go, maybe we introduce the rumor that he might be or whatever yeah, and then we and let it play forever. out for at least a season and whatever i think like it was like a bold move almost in a way to say this is not the story yeah this is part of a thing but it's not he's not the one we're going to be developing this is the mandalorian story he is the one who gets to develop Right. Yeah, the baby Yoda exactly. is a little more. I mean, there is definitely mystery about him, but he's not who we're oh, really uh, going to be developing. Well, I mean, look. Okay, so folks, if you're still listening and you're not spo- trying to stay spoiler free, let's go back to the fact that 50 years ago would have also. I mean, okay. Here's a writer's trick, folks. Folks, if you're writing fiction, or if you're directing a show, mm-hmm. let's say. Don't put a gun on stage unless you plan to use the gun. That's a good point. Yeah. You don't introduce such a huge plot point as having a quote unquote 50 year old baby. baby. <laughs> if you're not. Unless it matters. Yeah, if it's not. And they, they made it a pretty big. It wasn't just an offhand comment. No, it was blatant. Yeah. Even to the like the line of not all species age the same, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Okay. With that being said as a backdrop, I said this as soon as I saw it. After last, did I even say this on the podcast last week? Say it and I'll know. It means that that child was born about the same exact moment as Anakin Skywalker. I think you said this on the Okay. Yeah, right. I think I think this. I was... mean, because the internet went nuts with that this yeah, week. Yeah, I believe there was that a whole was Reddit stated. thing about it. I mean, okay. Now, so here's the new theory. Okay. The new theory then is that in Rise of Skywalker, there's some. They're finally going to go to this mysterious planet where the actual Force Tree is. You know, we've been hearing about the Force Tree and some of the mm-hmm. canonical things for years. This, like, mystical tree that gives the Force to the universe or something. Okay. The rumor is that the planet that Ray is training on in the trailers is, is, that, pl- is that planet where the Force Tree is. Are we going to... We- that... Sh- that- that she is able to enhance her abilities so much because she's on that planet. That would make sense. Is the theory that where she's training with that character with little no longer 
I guess baby, baby Yoda. Yoda. Now 80-year-old Yoda person series. Yeah. Species. I'd be interested to see like given I mean if we're going to claim that the 50-year-old baby is such a baby like okay so he's like what 80 now? Yeah, you said uh I mean how old is he does he appear to us, you know? Well, he can already walk. I mean, okay, he so he's did like walk. two. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, he no, he kind of was like a two year old almost already. I mean, oh great! So she's training with a five year old now. I I don't I don't know how these that's things not, work. Well, I'd say that's not fair, but he's obviously very powerful. Now, I will say I was also excited about Nerdist ran a piece actually last night on this, um, and and I think it I I would love to see this. I'd be perfectly comfortable with this. I think it'd be a great decision. You know, there's all kinds of rumors about Kathy Kennedy leaving Lucasfilm after after Rise of Skywalker. Okay. And the rumor is that John Favreau will be offered the keys to the car. I'd be okay with that. He, I, I'm perfectly fine if he becomes director of creative control. Oh yeah, for Star Wars. Oh yeah, because I mean, like we've said, everything he does, I'm I'm cool with. I don't think I've ever and been. He's mad. a bigger Star Wars fan than anything else. Yay! So I mean, I would completely trust John Favreau being the content controller. Mm-hmm. Of, of all Star Wars products. Yeah. Yeah, same. So another, back to, you know, we're talking about Baby Yoda, how powerful he is. This is a thought I had. I feel like another facet of showing how powerful Baby Yoda is kind of goes to show it's that it's almost like he picked the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Like, he let the Mandalorian right. take him. Right. You, yeah. He right. obviously could have just been like, smack, no. It's like the Force told him... This guy, okay. He's, you know, probably, right. we hope, not going to just hand you over to murderers or people that would do evil he, things he's, with you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you he's not. No, I don't think he is either. He, he is obviously very invested. This is also like a very much like an old Western cowboy theme. It 100% of is. like, the music. I got, I got sent to do this thing as a bounty hunter, but it was a kid. Yeah, and now I, I formed this emotional attachment to this little orphan like I was an orphan. The music it's, at the beginning of the trope. thing goes, bum, bum. You know, right, like, exactly. are you kidding me? That's literally a Western. Like, where was the gun bang? Bang. Yeah, that, that's all that needed. I mean, cool. So I don't know. This might. I don't know if this is technically an unpopular opinion. I haven't seen anything on the internet about it. But Jamie told me I was crazy. I felt really bad for the like rhino creature that got killed. I felt so bad for it. Yeah, I mean, I was okay. just trying to protect its little baby. They kept trying to steal I get, I, the egg, and I, I don't know. Like I just, I was just really sad that he ended up killing it, and I, I don't know why. I was just like. I got very attached to that rhino because it, it was there, hurt on him. I think sometimes people forget about the fact that there's great history and canonical just it's commonplace in the Star Wars universe to have that level of Star Wars weirdness. Yeah. Like when they're all eating the egg. Yes, that is what they traded all that stuff for but i mean that's such egg. a star warsy thing oh it is well yes it is it is i mean the star wars partially is about the weirdness well and i i guess it is just kind of to contrast like these more primitive outer rim planets with right the super fancy technological you know, fancy coruscant yeah you know i mean it's not they're not on coruscant they're no. They are on this outer rim planet where all they wanted for all of his technology was an was egg. an egg to eat raw. That was so gross. And I mean, that's weird. It was weird. It was. I still. It was. It was still weird. Still felt bad for the rhino, but yeah. Uh, just the, on that note. <laughs> have you watched any of the Crown yet? I have not yet. I have not. I have not. Yeah, I probably should. It looks good. I keep seeing ads for it, and it's re-peaked my interest, but. I don't know. Mostly been just trying to make it to Thanksgiving break. Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? Qu- We're all trying to just quickly generating a to- list of things that I want to watch over like Christmas break and stuff. Yeah. I'm just hoping to get through the next few weeks. When do y'all get off? 
Oh, well, it's not. Oh, this calendar is just terrible. We have the word. I've said it before. Sorry. If the vocal fam doesn't want to hear me complain about our academic calendar. Uh, we're not done until I think graduation is the is the twentieth. Oh my gosh! Um, and I want to. S- so anyway, it's just. Uh, is it because Thanksgiving I'm, and Christmas are so close together this year? Yes. Um, and it's our whole academic calendar has just been a train wreck. Mm, delightful. In in my opinion, but. Uh, Love it's going to be a busy break, too, because we're going to be building a She Loves Me set uh, over break. Yeah. And uh, So but, not really a break. Well, I'm also going to be dealing with Nat's poster paper stuff and trying to get judges, adjudicators lined up for uh, uh, assessing the abstracts and, and all this kind of stuff. That is my job as poster paper czar. Um, which I think might as well might 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 as well be my title. Um, I I don't know about I don't know about fancy. I don't think that's the right word. Then I don't know what the right word is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Service ends up uh, seeming like nice things, and then you just realize it's just a bunch of work that you don't get paid for. Yeah. No, I feel that. Took a group yeah. um, caroling to some nursing homes last weekend, and it was wonderful. Sure. I mean, I always, even though it's a lot of work on the front end, it's a lot of work like the day of, when you're there in the nursing homes, I'm always reminded like, oh, I really like enjoy doing this and with, like need to make a point to do it more often. And it's such a simple thing. But at the same yeah. time, at the end right. of the day, like that was my Saturday. Like right. that was it. And I spent it. It wasn't even like I just got to go and sing there. Like I had to work because I was, you know, in charge of 15 middle school girls and had to make sure that they, you know, like survived and didn't get lost or did didn't die. Yeah. Well, at one point I had to convince them that cro- we should probably cross the road at a crosswalk. I was like, hey. You know, let's let's just walk like 20 feet down the road and cross at the crosswalk, which I'm very sensitive to that. But yeah, anyway, right. anyway, it was a day. It was a thing. I totally. Yeah, I understand. Service is good, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily you know, mean rest. Speaking of uh, taking groups, it's very interesting. Um, my kids are, are both having field trips here before Christmas to go see Frozen. Because apparently that's what you do on school field trips. Frozen now. too. And, um, can I just say it's interesting? Uh, the did you see the early reactions were kind of that the content of the movie's quite heavy. I totally believe it. I did not see that, but um, two days ago at work. I mean, it came out last night, folks. I mean, yeah, just so we're clear. A I mean, few, like right before it came out, my boss and I listened through the soundtrack while we were working one day, and I remember thinking, this music is dark. This is not standard yeah. Disney music. It had a very dark yeah. undertone to it. Yeah. So, I, so I'm I not surprised at all. I, I don't know, but um, it... Uh, it uh I imagine they're trying to walk that fine line of engaging audiences that enjoyed Frozen and are now several years older. Well, and, and that's what I'm wondering if they're sort of doing friendly. the Harry like the Harry Potter trope yeah. of like we're going to advance the material as our audience. That know. that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, except I mean, since Frozen came, that's usually not Disney's model though, because since Frozen came out, it's like a new generation of kids every that's year. That's the thing; like, it's still a princess movie, into it. right? So I, I don't and that's know. why I, I, we I, haven't seen it. I can't. I, we haven't seen it. We didn't go last night to see it. So I mean, and now that the kids both have field trips, I'm just gonna let it. I'm gonna let them see it. I'll see it when I see it. I'll probably it. Um, go see it at some point. But that's why I say walk a fine line because it is a very fine line between making like when you try to make a movie appealing to your aging audience and the new audience. Yeah. Oh, it's a that's a tough thing to do. It's a it's a. It, I, I a, think it's, it's why a tall order. several movies like um, Finding Dory and The Incredibles two waited you know like fifteen years to come out because they essentially just at that point were like no totally new audience and some of y'all will come for the nostalgia factor. They weren't trying to grow it yeah. up. Yeah. 
So that 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 seems right. That seems right. But obviously, you're not gonna let Frozen wait 15 years before you make Frozen two because a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. That's why Disney released their Phase five release dates. And of course, you know, people are speculating now exactly which of the Marvel movies will be in Phase 5. And, I mean, obviously it's going to be Guardians 3 and obviously Black Panther 2. And, you know, uh, uh, there are some obvious things. Ant-Man 3 is very likely. Oh, Um, yeah. I always forget about Ant-Man. And I feel bad about it because, like, I enjoy them fine. But they just don't, like, I don't spend a lot of time thinking. I saw one article that said clearly this last one will be uh, Fantastic Four, and I was like, "Really? Before before Captain Marvel two? Like, are you sure about that? I I kind of doubt it because I can't fathom that the Captain Marvel sequel will not come directly from the third Guardians movie, like Cosmic to Cosmic. Yeah." It just, makes sense or maybe even an eternals follow-up yeah i like i just i i didn't buy it i was like I, uh I don't no i think that's later i i don't think we're getting a fantastic four movie until like i'm gonna oh. say 2025 yeah I, i'd buy that, that, yeah, that i just feels think it'll right be a while i'm i'm sure i like i'm it'll, it'll be, it, i just yeah. don't think it's gonna be this soon yeah um uh, so yeah, so Doctor Who, we're gonna get a trailer tomorrow. I mean, is what it looks like. Well, they they posted. You see, they literally posted that the trailers launching tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so, that is I confirmed. Mean, okay. We will get a trailer. So it tomorrow. is it is the trailer. Okay, I didn't see that post this it morning. Was, yeah, it was maybe thirty minutes before we podcasted. I mean, I did love their poster from yesterday. Yesterday, space period for, for all. Period. I thought that was nice. Um, yeah, it is, it, and and I mean, think what you want of the political overtones of it. I mean, the color scheme's pretty. Clear I on the, I thought on the that poster. too. I was like, I I was like, am I reading too much into this? And then I was no, like, nah, I don't think so. I think it's too obvious. I think it's too obvious. Um, which was wonderful. I mean, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Um, um and they're obviously. It was trying a cool to, poster. To be completely honest, it's just a cool it poster. It is a cool looking poster, and they're obviously trying to pump us up for the new series that we will get starting in January. Right, and so they did also. I mean, we are gonna have a New Year's Day special. Yes. And then four days later, we're gonna have part a second two. episode, which is part two of the New Year's Day special. Which is nice. Cause so on the. F- so on the first, we will get the premiere of series eleven or series twelve, and then on the fourth, we will actually get the follow up. Um, and I think that means we're only going to get eight more episodes. Yeah. I mean, is my guess so? Like maybe series finale by mid March, early March. Um, and then we are hearing that they've already filmed a Christmas special for twenty twenty. Yeah, so we will sense. get a Christmas special with this TARDIS team. That still rubs me the wrong way. It team does, TARDIS. It does I me too. I don't, still don't, I don't like it. it. It's just too corny. It's too forced. Like, stop trying but, to make me do this thing. Like, no. Right. No. Right. Um, write something organic that actually has a plot. Yeah. And we'll, we'll all go with you. Well, um, the, two, the two-part series opener does make me a little hopeful because I think what we kept saying last season was that some of these episodes had just all this build, 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 build. And if it had been a two-part, maybe they could have been decent episodes. But instead, everything just kind of, I, I don't even want to say wrapped up. It just sort of right. fizzled out in the last 10 minutes. Well, and you know what's interesting? There are also all kind of rumors when you really read the Doctor Who back channels mm-hmm. that, and I don't spend nearly as much time looking at that material as I do about Star Wars you know, and Marvel or um, Marvel. But yeah. but um, there are quite a there were quite a bit of rumblings that even after they shot the first series that um, that Chibnall was already really unhappy running Doctor Who. Interesting. So I wonder that if he, we'll see that him. he was that he was struggling to write the show. Yes, it was apparent. And that sort of became apparent and I I I'm not that I, that doesn't sound like a rumor to me. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, no duh. Uh, 
Um, like such to the point that like people thought he might even leave after the first series. And I don't know. He, he didn't, obviously. So I mean, I don't know. We'll Maybe see. he had just a realization, an epiphany, who knows? Again, cautiously optimistic is Yeah, that's where we're at. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? A Please say a muffin. It was a muffin. We've talked about muffins so much. Duh. I mean, it was a, again, they're protein muffins. Like, they are, I promise. But it is a muffin. It was all pretty right. good. Well, I'm I'm definitely, oh, I have a data collection here in a, in a little bit. Ooh, um, so dance. We're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. Uh, four subjects in the can at this point. Solid. I've got, I've got two more started as of today. Cool. Uh, and one more who has already expressed definite, definitely wanting to do it. By the end of the semester, I'll expect to have six subjects in the can. Hopefully then expand that, maybe double that by the end of next semester. So Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Maybe top our number from last year by one. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Go from 11 to 12. I mean... Yeah, it's an increase. It is. We can actually also take the... You know, it, it, we could actually reanalyze what we did from the first one. Mm-hmm. Combine the day of just singing and the day of uh, where we went LM singing. And just... And that gives us two days of, of, of a... You know, at that point, if, if we have 12, that's 23 subjects that did those two days. Yes. Um, I mean, granted, that would eliminate the whole like, oh, we reordered the days part necessarily, you know? Yes. Um, but it could almost be a separate analysis, you, I would think. I, I, I think it is. I think it is a separate analysis. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a number of uh, an N of 23, all of a sudden. More respectable. We're actually getting to a, a, a sort of real N number. <laughs> we. <laughs> Sort of, sort of real. Sort of real. That, maybe, maybe that's what life is. Sort Sarah. of real. Sort of, sort of real. Yeah, yeah. Vocal fam, what do you think? Is life sort of real? Yeah. And what are you thankful for? Let us know. Some, some very <laughs> easy questions. You know, no big deal. <laughs> All right, guys. That's. I think. Is that enough for you? Yeah. I gotta get set up for a data collection. So I am. My I gotta, stomach has gotta, been growling for the past like ten minutes. I'm really hoping y'all uh, can't hear it. So well, I'm I gotta. Go I gotta calibrate. I gotta calibrate a PAS. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. We'll talk at you later. I peace. Bye. bye.